Hello, and welcome to episode 150 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me today is our usual co-host, Spirit, and also joining us once again after a long absence, we have uh, Eric, a.k.a. Shongaku. How are you doing this evening, Eric? I'm doing really well. I am somewhat excited about Reaper. Yeah, yeah, so that's going to be our main topic, and so we got to dredge all of the necromancers out of Relics of War and Twit, which is, you know, all two of us. Um, no, that's not true. There's more. But uh, anyway, uh, how are you doing this evening, afternoon, Spirit? I'm doing wonderfully. It's a pretend winter here, and so it is very warm, and just like spring back home. Well, there you go. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, it's not too bad out here, but uh, yeah, we didn't come here to talk about the weather. We came here to talk about the Reaper, the latest and final for a while, it sounds like, specialization revealing uh, for the elite specializations, that is. Um, so it's, you know, for the Necromancer, and I guess just right off the bat, let's just talk about the name. After Dragon Hunter and Chronomancer uh, established completely disparate names, how do you feel about the name? Uh, I think it ties really well into the lore. I'm, I'm gonna not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna start mixing it up with Revenant, and then I'm gonna mix it up with the Radiator class, which is the Revenant specialization that uh, we've talked about in previous episodes. <laughs> how about you, Spirit? Do you have any positive, negative, neutral thoughts on this name? I have no strong feelings, really. Um, I think it is fitting for the Necromancer and the theme, definitely. So that's what matters. Yeah, it's it's fairly stereotypical. I think it's what a lot of people were guessing it was going to be, but I don't have any objection to it. Um, yeah, whatever. I mean, small, small, minor topic, completely irrelevant. But it does evoke a some semblance of a, of a general vibe of the profession and i think that they are really trying to play off of that as something that they mentioned on was it just on points of interest or did they mention it in the blog post the idea of being this like sort of creeping nightmare yeah it was in it was in all of that the blog post they mentioned it on points of interest the concept that it's basically a movie monster what i think is interesting is that it runs around shouting uh, movie monsters tend to be rather silent so i am gonna say that uh, I feel like they missed an opportunity with not calling it the Banshee, but eh, you know. I liked the... Uh, some, I wasn't sure if this was official or if someone said it, but wherever I picked this up, someone said it was like, it's like that nightmare you have where you're trying to run away and you can't, you're just moving slower and slower and the big thing is looming behind you, and I think that's a, that to me is a much more evocative description than uh, the movie Monster. Yeah, yeah, it's it definitely... Yeah, I, and I, I like the idea of having a strong theme tied to it, which I guess maybe that's part of why Dragon Hunter sort of felt sort of flat for some people, is that like Chronomancer, Chronomancer and Reaper feel like a strongly evocative theme, whereas like Dragon Hunter is, I mean, vague-ish, I guess. I mean, but, uh, you know, to, to, to accomplish this feeling, they're really leaning heavily on chill, and to some extent vulnerability, which I think are two conditions that don't get 
or haven't haven't previously gotten as much love or focus and i've always loved i've always really enjoyed chill it just um i don't know it 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 always sort of felt basically just like another way to cripple somebody because the skill cooldown at least in pve seems sort of irrelevant so i i really like that they're both providing a lot more ways to apply chill and also doing proc effects based on chilled enemies so it it makes chill an even stronger condition for a necromancer rather than just giving us more ways of applying it. So as somebody that's always run a chill build, I've always, I I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, what do you have any, do you have any thoughts on, on leaning on this chill mechanic, Eric? Yeah. What I think is really interesting. And I think it's something that we'll hopefully see them build on is they've had a few ramping condition setups wherein what they're doing is you apply a condition and that causes another condition to be applied. And so right now you've got blind on causing chill, you've got uh, fear causing chill, both of those are necro things that will be there, the blind on causing chill is already there. And so you have this idea of where most of the other classes will apply a condition, necros are going to be able to apply multiple conditions at the same time and sort of get like this cascade effect of conditions, which I think would be will be very fascinating to see if they build that out over other specializations. For example, if we get a condition-centric specialization at some point, will it just be like you apply one condition and it just cascades down to 30 more conditions? How about you, Spirit? Do you have any thoughts on the idea of leaning on chill as a condition? Um... I was going to bring this up later when we were talking about builds, actually, but I'm a little bit worried about countering it, um, just because the of the pure ability to apply it that the Reaper has that I don't... I, I, no existing specialization, or no existing profession has. None of the specializations we've talked about have, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering how people are going to fare against it, because it's really hard to just defend against a flat you know, increasing your cooldown by 66%. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I came to mind when Eric was talking about this cascading thing, I believe there's also a trait that gives, uh, or I like that they're, that they're, they showed in the trait reworking that gives um, stacks of vulnerability when you chill. Oh, that's right. That's why I always think that's, and that thing looks crazy with some of the other stats. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that idea of this cascading conditions is is really interesting. And somebody brought up the point that if fear causes chill, does that mean that the stacking order is fear first, then chill? Which would mean that conditions uh, strips like your stun break condition cleanse might, or that a excuse me, that a condition cleanse would strip the chill first, so it would be harder to strip off the fear. That would be really cool, because it brings back, on some level, the concept of covering hexes from Guild Wars 1, which exists a little bit in Guild Wars 2 with covering conditions, but for the most part, it's very hard to control what order they get thrown on. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting point that somebody made, probably on Reddit, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um I don't know, do you guys want to talk about the counterplay mechanics first, or do you want to talk a little bit about the other mechanics of the class and then sort of talk about the deeper impact of all those things together? I also do not have a strong opinion on this. Well, uh... Yeah, we'll follow your lead, Grybok. Lead us in. Okay, well, 
I guess the short response I would have on how to counter chill application and mass is that it's not so much how you counter it as much as the way that necros are already countered or the 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 problems that necromancers already have which is that we have very little in the way of mobility skills we have very little in the way of um our own stability we have very little in the way of stun breaks we have very little in the way of like chasing ability so pretty much our theoretical intended uh, like way of doing combat would be is is to wade in and then make it hard for people to get away and at present that basically just isn't the case so um I, I think that there are a few things that they've done that look like it'll be helpful there's the pull abilities on the great sword which not necessarily the most useful there's that short charge in death shroud or reaper shroud that eh. but the fact that your auto attack is applying chill consistently and it looks like it's constantly upkeeping it on the cleave targets which i think is what five targets so that could be helpful especially if you're gonna pop into like i don't know swap to something that'll cause fear or maybe a war horn to cripple guys that sort of thing yeah um i guess what i more meant is that say you're chasing somebody down in world v world like a necromancer at best will have swiftness whereas say thieves will have you know um heart seeker and uh, short bow shots to like teleport away and like warriors will have swiftness and sword jumps and uh guardians will have as previously discussed the whoop 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 four four jump uh run away if they want and you know a lot a lot of classes have things that don't require you to hit an enemy in order to gain mobility out of it so while you are right that we have a way to sort of bring them closer to us if they're outside of that what was it 600 reach then it sort of does nothing for you, whereas the other, a lot of other classes have, you know, gap closers, um, whether or not you're actually, whether or not there's an enemy at that landing zone. So, um, yeah, and then, and and also, as you discussed with the, the auto attack, I mean, they're super slow. I mean, that's, that's going to be really easy to, um, what, a headshot, right, for Thief? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, I think it's meant to be, hard hard to like get away if they if they really do catch a hold of you um because i mean that's a big a big problem with necromancers in general is like they don't they can't get in they can't get away and they can't chase so they need one of those things but uh anyway i guess since we already brought up the shouting uh we get shouts which i don't know eric do you want to talk about some of the shouts first so, we have a few different shouts. They've got some interesting stuff on them. I'm not necessarily super excited. The one that generate there's one that your heal, which is going to heal you a bit, and then generate some life force, which is interesting. And then they've got a few other ones. The, the Well, they have one that's going to stun for theoretically 10 seconds, which is interesting that's your elite then you've got was it 10 i thought it was only a couple seconds it's 10 seconds assuming that obviously they don't have a stun break but 10 seconds is a really well, long time it's important to mention that um each of these skills scales up based on how many targets you hit so if the reaper hit five targets it would be a 10 second stun correct i believe that one is just a set 10 second but it can stun up to five targets hmm I guess we'll have to go back and look at that, because it seemed pretty weak. I mean, 
a long stun is a long stun, but um, it has a long cooldown and a fair, like a decently long wind up. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Anyway, but uh, continue. Then you've also got one that uh, is actually it. It's an old. Is that a Norn skill? You are weaklings. I believe that's an old Norn yes. shout uh, from Guild Wars One, and that inflicts weakness, which is kind of nice. It is interesting because if you inflict weakness, you inflict poison and ha- and are traded properly, and you inflict chill and are traded properly, you can be reducing damage by almost 50% being dealt to you, which I think is interesting because you get the 15% it looks like from in the traits. But anyways, so very interesting there with the weakness. Uh, suffer transfers conditions from you to your target, which is kind of nice. Do we not have that? We have a lot of ways to do that, but not through utilities. We have uh, staff, I want to say four, and, yeah, and then dagger four. Dagger four, yeah. So bringing it to the utilities is interesting. Also the fact that it not only transfers conditions, but it also chills anyone in the area is interesting. Uh, nothing Can Save You is fascinating because... It is a defense breaker. It converts enemy boons into vulnerability, which is kind of cool. So we've got a basically a melee corruption in there, or uh, you know, getting rid of those annoying boons stupid guardians put on themselves. And so it'll be interesting to see how well that works, just because a lot of this stuff is so conditional on hitting a lot of people. Like for example, also rise where you're summoning jagged horrors. You only summon one Jagged Horror per person, so if you're fighting, like, a dungeon boss, you're not going to be getting much of a positive effect from it, because the actual Jagged Horrors, I mean, you get one Jagged Horror because it's one dungeon boss. Yeah, Spirit, you, I think you run a lot more dungeons than either of us do. How do you feel, what's your first impression about this from a dungeon perspective, about both, well, I guess a couple things. First, just this idea of having a lot of weakness and chill, which seem to honestly not affect a lot of the big stuff in dungeons all that much. And then also uh, this idea of being weak if you're only fighting one thing and being pretty strong if you're fighting five or more things. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think with the current dungeon meta, um, Reaper wouldn't really find a place. I mean, I can definitely see... Um, uses for them in pulling big groups, uh, but with this the stealth skip kind of mentality, I don't think it's just going to find a place. But of course, you know it's hard to hard to say with the shouts because you can o- always take Reaper piecemeal, right? You mean you can use some of your current utilities and just ignore the shouts, um, so that would be fine as long as the the DPS on on Greatsword and Reaper shout we're able to keep up with some other stuff. Um, in the future, though, it's hard to say how dungeon meta will shift with all of the new specializations. Plus, in Heart of Thorns, we've already seen a lot of different stuff when it comes to like living story. And the, the types of bosses that they're making in here, I think, are pretty indicative of where they're headed in, in dungeon design and in, you know, really challenging group content design to use the marketing phrase but i can definitely see a lot more use for chill and weakness there where 
there are less stationary bosses and more uh, logical use of CCs and conditions on those bosses. So unless they make changes to current dungeons, no, they're not going to see much play there. But in the future, there's definitely an opening for them, I believe. The thing that I brought up probably on Twitter, I think, was depending on how the Defiance bar works, they said that conditions that weren't hard CCs would still have some effect on it. So like Blind, for example, uh, would affect that bar. So I'm kind of wondering if, you know, A, if Chill will affect that bar, and B, with the... I mean, as you said earlier, there is a ludicrous large number of ways to apply Chill now with the Reaper. Like, if this idea of just Chill spamming down their CC bars might make them actually viable as a control class, or like as a control class enabler, um, Mm -hmm. I have no idea, but I I would love that. I mean, because... uh, our our frustration with the you know damage support control theoretical trinity that exists but really is just damage and then control that provides damage is um i i think it would be great if it really came back a little bit more into the forefront of being an actual balanced set of of things and giving a class an ability to spam a light cc in order to break the stability bar as opposed to you know, everybody else who has these really powerful CCs but are on long cooldowns. Um, I mean, just, it could feel like a really cool one-two punch, and it wouldn't necessarily be required, you know, to have that Necromancer there to help with the Defiance bar, but it could give you that type of role protection of, you know, this is what we're good at, and nobody else is nearly as good at it as us. So, um, I don't know. Here's here's the hoping for that, at least as it applies to dungeons and challenging pve content do you think that there's a role for to take over the role of the vuln stacker in the current meta speedrun spirit possibly it would depend on because basically enough people have enough access to vulnerability in kind of a passive capacity that it you don't need to have someone dedicated to it you can just have um, you know, warriors, guardians, whatever, do what they're normally doing, and vulnerability just gets applied kind of by accident. Well, so, so, so here's a question would... though: is if if the um, condition caps go away on bleeding and all those things, maybe the vulnerability cap would go away too? So would that Ooh. impact your answer? Oh, <laughs> if it did, that would be insane. First of all. Because it's like an additional 1% per stack of vulnerability. So even if they raised it to 50, you'd be doing 25% more damage, and that would just be crazy. Um, But, you know, theoretically, if they raised it, yeah, maybe there is a spot for Reapers, after all. Yeah, that's a good point, because I... And sort of speaking of, of piecemealing the Reaper, as you said, Spirit... It's a concept that we've talked about several times with the elite specializations of, you know, when you look at this, do you see yourself going all in, you know, taking all, you know, well, obviously, if you take it, then you take traits from it, but traits from it, weapon from it, like utilizing the mechanic, or are you only looking to get one thing out of it? And when I was looking at some of those traits, uh, like the, the crit on the crit increase for vulnerability stacks on the enemy, like that just made me made my 
just made me drool thinking about axe or dagger, which, you know, I mean, ironically, so not greatsword, but some of those traits look super, super powerful for existing builds that don't, I mean, that wouldn't necessarily want a greatsword. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just the dagger does a lot of damage when it crits, and if you get a 100% crit rate, like, wow. (laughs) I mean, that... I would be interested to see what a hundred percent crit rate did for for dagger DPS compared to regular other classes. Be also yeah. interesting to see like the heals that you'd get off of dagger two. Well, that's um, another thing that kind of piqued my interest because you can theoretically get a hundred percent crit rate without much, if any, precision on your gear. So you can focus power, ferocity, and you know, healing power or something strange like that, you know, and get some interesting combos that we've never been able to do before. Just yeah. Because one of them is already taken care of by your traits. Yeah. Or, I mean, and it could also make a hybrid power condition build actually viable if you don't need precision, you know, for your to, to crit, you know, then you've oh, got. That's true. Yeah. Because, and then, and then if you have that trait, you know, that spreads chill on crit. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's, I, the the build possibilities are really exciting for me um but i don't know that it necessarily solves any of the necromancer's like sort of core why would we take a necromancer group problems but i want to get back to that in a minute i want to keep talking about shouts a little bit i think it's really interesting that they're giving these shouts a cast time um i don't know why none of these shouts seem strong enough to require a cast time to me do do you guys agree with that? Do you do you guys are you guys seeing the obvious power from these shouts? Um yes and no cuz there's stuff like your attacks are unblockable for 10 seconds if you hit 5 targets and you get 20 stacks of might for a few seconds if you hit 5 targets. So that's big and I especially see against um like in PVP zoo builds. So if you're up against a minion master and you just hit all his minions and all of a sudden you got this crazy unstoppable juggernaut reaper and you know you're just there on your little necro going, "Oh gosh, my jagged horrors aren't killing him." Then that's really strong, but I don't know. I think yeah. I well, okay, so I maybe not all forth. of them, but like like so obviously the elite. If the elite was an instant cast you know, massive stun, then yeah, obviously that's a problem. But it seems right. like some of these ones, like Rise, is d- has no business being having a cast time. <laughs> um, I feel like the heal really doesn't either. It just doesn't seem like that strong of a heal. I mean, it's interesting, but it doesn't seem that strong. I can see putting one on your weaklings, you know, which is the, the weakness and might, like you said. Um, but, I mean... Or or suffer you know, the transfer conditions. We both both dagger four and staff four are insta cast or almost insta cast. Like and staff four really doesn't have any counterplay aside from don't be standing in front of the necro. Yeah, that exactly. So yeah, I think it's weird. I I think the idea of having shouts that have a wind up is not well. I don't hate it. It feels weird because it's a shout. Like the whole point of shouts is that they're instant cast, I guess. But. Yeah. Um. I know it's not finished, but do you know? Did you guys see if anywhere if there was a a difference in each shout so you can tell which one is being cast? Um. You mean like an animation difference? Yeah, I yeah. believe they all have different animations to the extent where it's not your typical shout animation. Yeah. Okay. I th- I, c- I couldn't tell the difference between them, and I was wondering if you could say 
cast rise and be like, oh, I'm doing my sneaky one. And then you're like, ha, you interrupted the wrong thing. Eat stuns or something. I don't know. What are the, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm really bad at reading tells in Guild Wars 2 because there's so many particle effects and the sizes are so different and the armor obscures so much. And there's all sorts of reasons that I have a really hard time reading tells in Guild Wars 2. That's probably part of the reason I don't PvP in it, but... Uh, I think in general they are pretty good about having unique animation tells for each skill, even if it's subtle. Um... Yeah, I think that from what I'm seeing, none of them are a must-buy. I can see maybe taking one or two uh, just to get some different utility, but I'm not necessarily seeing anything that's really all that must must bring to the condition to the fight. You do get some sh- chill, which is kind of nice, but across the board, eh, they each, they, they don't look all that exciting. Like, you look at them, you're like, eh, okay. Yeah, I, when I look at these, and this is a little bit different than both the Chronomancer and Dragon Hunter, I feel, because I look at those and I think, if I want the traps on the Guardian, I would probably take two or three of them, like, minimum, uh, because... I want my build to revolve around traps. A lot of the time I find myself picking at least several of the same type of skill for a build because I want my build to focus on that type of skill. And so, you know, on both of those, I can see a Chronomancer saying, okay, I want this big AoE, you know, conditions and or damage control-y well build. You know, so I take two or three of them and then maybe one different elite, or, you know, maybe not the elite or maybe the elite and another one, but not whatever but a lot of these shouts i very much feel like they it's almost more like each one helps a different kind of necromancer build that already exists and so i feel a lot more like i would only take one or at most two of them because and they would be different ones for each one i mean you know rise obviously minion master but if you don't have all the traits for minions you're not going to take that ever because minions suck if they're completely untraded and they kind of suck even if they're traded, but they suck a lot more if they have nothing behind them. So you're not going to take rise if you're not investing heavily into minion master. And like, I mean, maybe you'd take suffer depending, but you also, I mean, you might take suffer on a, on a corruption build, I guess. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're you're probably not going to take your weaklings on a condition damage build. I mean, it's good, but there's a lot of good things you could be taking. You're probably not going to take... I can't imagine taking that healing skill almost ever. It's probably, as I would say, it's pretty much tied for Well of Blood, which is not usually taken. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, l- yeah, looking at these shouts, I see myself taking one of them in in existing builds that I would be upgrading with Reaper traits rather than Reaper skills. Did, wait, like, is that they sort of your impression seem, as well? Yeah, they seem like an accoutrement to your actual build itself. And I, th- I mean, they suggested in Points of Interest taking Runes of the Trooper to purify conditions off your allies, but yeah, with a, with a wind-up time and all this other stuff, it doesn't seem like that's necessarily a great option. Yeah, wasn't one of them a stun break that has like a second and a half like wind up? <laughs> it's like oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, uh, like um no. How about 
Yeah. You got to interrupt the stun break, you know. Got to keep them stunned, Locke. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see taking runes the trooper, which, I mean, I run two of the other classes that I play. I run shout builds because I love shouts, and I run runes of the trooper on both of those characters, and I probably will take shouts, at least one shout on my reaper, but there's no way I'm doing a runes of the trooper build on it. Not going to happen. What I think is interesting is that none of the shouts, there's not even a trait to make the shouts a blast finisher, which makes me a little sad. Yeah, dude, if they had a trait to make shouts blast finishers, we would suddenly skyrocket to actual viability levels for group PvE content and World v. World. I was kind of expecting one to be a Grandmaster. That's a great idea for a Grandmaster. I mean, holy crap. If we had... Yeah, I mean, that would be NC, that would be a reason that you might take a full shout build is you know uh, yeah uh, that's that's a really cool idea i wish that they thought of it um let's talk about the let's let's finish talking about the skills and the traits before we go into actual builds and then full balance discussion um because so many of them interact with one another and there's a lot of internal synergy between the traits both existing traits and reaper traits which i actually also really like um do we want to talk about when do we want to talk about the uh, blood changes? Um, probably after we finish the traits for Reaper because they're also traits. So, um, cool. yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the Great Sword first. I mean, obviously, Arena Net loves Great Swords. Everybody loves Great Swords. I love Great Swords. Uh, I kind of don't know how to feel about the Great Sword actual skills. The animations were gorgeous, but uh, I've never really been a fan of the really slow, like slow but hard hitting skills in this game because things are moving and dodging so much that I find it really easy to miss a long wind up skill. So I'm really worried about how it's going to play, at least for me personally, not necessarily from an overall viability, but it definitely hurts them in PvP as well. Um, what what was your spirit? Let's let's go with you first. What was your sort of first impression of the greatsword skills? It reminded me of Guardian. <laughs> I seriously, I think it it reminded me a lot of Guardian, where you've got kind of your your big um, whirly death attack on your two, and then your your ground targeted thing on four. But it seems the different, and you and your pull on five even. So, but the difference is um, in the attack speed and the weight of each hit. So, yeah, it's like a guardian, but slower. Yeah, well, the the two is definitely a lot different, though, because the two is the execute skill that has the either zero or almost zero recharge if you hit somebody under half. Oh, I missed that. Oh, yeah, it's like a big wind-up. It's got a pretty short cooldown in general, but if they're under half health, it has no cooldown or very, very short. So you just, like, slam, slam, slam which looking at possibilities of 100% crit builds is uh, scary. Also, I'd like to point out that as far as I can tell in the um, the points of interest video, they were using uh, soldier's armor. So they had no precision or ferocity in that build. So take that as you will for their damage numbers. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, the primary thief player. Um, 
Although, again, Thief, I think your pistol is going to make it yeah. the worst day of our lives. Uh, what are your... Well, you know what else is because uh, Thief weapon skills aren't affected by chill. Yeah, just your mobility. But you can teleport, too. Ha ha ha. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, how about, you? how about you, Eric? What are your thoughts on the greatsword? I think it's an interesting weapon. The number one, the base attack looks almost to have very similar animations and speed to the Guardian Hammer main attack, number one attack, which I think is interesting because it does feel more like a, like you're just like, I am going to just slowly slam this thing on people, which I think is definitely going to be rough in SPVP. And in, because someone's going to be like, oh, he's, there's a guy running towards me. I'm just going to roll backwards and then teleport and then laugh at him as he waddles after me like a demonic penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty dude. So it's it's an interesting, I feel like it's actually going to be pretty good in, for example, like Silver Wastes and in a lot of the open world PvE content where you just jump in and you start smashing stuff. I think it's going to actually work pretty well in that sort of chaos and in just sort of, you know, doing your own thing in a, you know, playing alone together with all the other people in these sort of, as they're making the new zones more focused around specific, you know, pop in and play in almost like the server where, okay, I want to do a Silverway style dub-v-dub, go kill the Vine Wraith. I'm going to go do Silverways. I want to do a hour-long complete events to charge up a bar and then go kill, you know, champions. You go to Dry Top and then whatever other things you're going to see in the open world. So I feel like it fits there, uh, but, and maybe Death Spiral helps if you're going to Vuln stack in dungeons, but across the board, they're, they are just sort of a weird, it's a weird place. Now, the question is, how do you think that these sorts of things would play out in, for example, the new SPVP type? Do you think that this might actually give you more control over, oh, there's these guys coming to attack my gate, so I'm just going to grab them and destroy them really quick? The Based on my one day of playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back Stronghold games, um... I would say the bigger impact is going to be chill because of the mobility you need on that map. There's not, at least in you know the day I played, there wasn't a lot of directly engaging your enemy. You kind of like sporadically engaged and then would break off and go do something else because that was more important than killing your enemy. So I think the control aspects of the Reaper are going to be a lot more important than the actual... Uh, like his ability to output damage or anything. If you can grab him or if you can chill your enemy and slow them from getting to their next objective, then that's more important. So maybe ha- their ability to lock down or engage and keep an enemy from disengaging may be actually useful in that place for style. Right. And they'll also, I mean, if they get one attack off on those NPCs, they are so much like paper that it'll just, they'll be gone. A single gravedigger will easily right- wipe out a doorbuster for sure. So that will be interesting to see if Necros find a role there as sort of a, I'm going to keep anything from attacking my door ever. And because they're so attrition-centric, you know, it looks like they're built so tanky that maybe two or three people could engage a single one, and they just run around grave-digging the uh, 
minions that are coming your way, and you're just doing your thing, not right. uh, worrying and about three or four people that are trying to protect them. Plus, if you send three or four people, they'll only get stronger. Yeah, because now their shouts are hitting more things. Uh-huh. Yeah, I really like the the potential for Reaper to become a one-versus-many class, where you kind of just throw him into the enemy group and have him wreak havoc. Yeah, I I hope it works out that way. It Yeah, it, it would be a fun... It, especially if you do a lot of soloing stuff or open-world stuff, like, like Eric mentioned. Uh, I, I, I foresee Reapers being a total blast to play in stuff like Silver Waste. And given the popularity and success of the Silver Waste, I imagine that we're going to get a lot more content of a similar nature in uh, Heart of Thorns. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't uh, we don't know for sure how it's going to play out. But they said in the in the point where they talked about outposts and all of that that they wanted you to be able to hop in and do very specific things. Uh, you know, pop in, do all the events that lead up to the wyvern, kill the wyvern, or pop in and do all the events that lead up to a base being secured so that then you can go and defend it against a horde mode. Uh, you know, so, you know, spend a few hours there doing that and just basically pop around the map and say, okay, well, this thing is almost... You know, it's like if you were doing on-demand meta events where, oh, hey, I just want to go pop in and do the, uh, you know, the Frost Shaman that we have in in the Norn Starter area. Those sorts of things where you just basically pop in, clear them, and then you can head off and do whatever else you were planning on doing. So I think that we will see a lot of that in from what they've been saying in Heart of Thorns itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the greatsword is really interesting. I'm definitely going to use it, at least for a while. Um, I'm not going to use it in a condition build at all, but I can definitely see its place in an, in a, um, you know, Zerker spec. Um, but I guess we should probably talk about the actual profession mechanic change, which is actually a really big change, which is the Reaper's Shroud, uh, which changes your Death Shroud to a fully melee-centric Death Shroud. Um, and gives you the biggest scythe on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that thing's pretty enormous. I have a Norn Necro. Oh my goodness. Hopefully it's like just... I think part of what it is, is you can actually, from what I saw with certain skill hits, is it's actually the range of the skills themselves. So I think it's like, a, essentially, if you want to know what 300 range is, or whatever melee ranges that this thing hits look at the length of the scythe yeah um yeah so yeah it gives you a scythe and i think it's really interesting that between between all of the these scythe skills and the amount of twirling and whirling that it does it's very evocative of guild wars one dervishes of getting close and like doing a whole bunch of point blank aoe you know conditions and damage and all that kind of stuff um and, and you know, like I said, obviously the scythe. So as a as a dervish main from Guild Wars One, if you can call it that, uh, that's exciting at the very least. Uh, the yeah, the the Reaper Shroud looks really damaging from a uh, for a Zerker perspective. Uh, again, it looks terrifying from a Zerker perspective. It looks yeah. I mean, and again, I believe, like I said, that they were using soldier runes for all those damage numbers. 
And with that vulnerability trait that gives the crit chance on vulnerability, and there's a, I believe, spite trait that gives plus 50%, or maybe a soul reaping trait that gives plus 50% uh, crit rate in Death Shroud, you literally can have zero precision and be at 100% crit rate on that thing. And yeah, I mean, big, big cleave attacks that do seemingly quite a bit of damage. And uh, wasn't there a uh, trait that increased your attack speed in Death Shroud? In Reaper Shroud, rather? Or am I... I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that... Because I know that there's sort of two schools of thought for building Zerker Necros. One of them is basically to not use your Death Shroud all that much except as like a health pool, and the other one is to like maximize your Death Shroud uptime and focus all your traits on your life blast. Yeah, um, it's uh Grandmaster. Attack Reaper's onslaught. Attack fifteen percent while faster while in Reaper's Shroud. Killing a foe recharges Death Charge. Yeah. So I think and and as they sort of said in other ones, but they also reaffirmed in this one, the Death, the Reaper Shroud skills will, as much as applicable, apply traits that affect Death Shroud to the corresponding skills. So, like, you could have Doomfire on your cleaving melee attacks that attack pretty fast. Yeah. Which also goes back to, like I was saying, a possibility of having a legitimately power uh, Condi damage spec build if you have basically 100% crit chance in Death Shroud. And every hit is doing stacks of burning because burning is also going to stack um, for damage. Yeah, it sounds. It, oh my goodness, that's it. Excites beautiful. me. It looks really, really hurtful. Um, <laughs> so also, it looks like. Um, uh, let me just check something. Yeah, the third hit on the auto attack does gain you two percent life force per enemy hit and it can hit up to five targets which i think is really quite fascinating that you're gonna actually be able to sustain your death your life your uh your reaper shroud longer than your normal death shroud because of that because you're just basically constantly recharging that especially if you jump into a group of people yeah it it is worth mentioning though that both pve bosses and in pvp the damage amounts that are incoming make it very difficult to get much done in Death Shroud because they can drop it really fast. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But a combination of skillful dodges and depending on how they change boss design and all those things still makes that potentially really exciting. And it looks like the Reaper has a lot of ways of gaining uh, life force. Yeah. So, and the fact that uh, toughness effects are going to keep your protect your life force too, so hopefully, like that uh, defensive uh, chill and stuff, will be able to help keep your life force up a little bit longer. Crossed fingers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point too. Um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. There's death charge, which is the the necrocopter. Uh, I I was very disappointed that it neither blocks nor reflects projectiles because you're running forward with a helicopter scythe in front of you, and it that looks like been awesome. the most reflecty or at least absorby. Like whenever you see any you know like anime or like crazy action movies, you know they're like 
swish, swish, like, you know, friggin' blocking a million arrows and bullets with their swords or whatever. I would take that over the poison explosion. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that's that's a balanced change, ArenaNet. It's totally balanced. Just get rid of the poison explosion, give us projectile blocking. It's fine. They're, they're equivalent, one-to-one. I do really like the design of skill three, which is uh, the one that gives you stability, uh, and then you can like explode it to do fear around you. That's really cool. I really like um, even more than that that you can choose to keep it outside of your Reaper Shroud. So there's a lot of play options with that one skill to chain into a different skill, depending on what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. I think it is also really interesting that my gosh i guess this this is kind of double interesting in terms of depth this the reaper shroud looks like it is purely specced for zerker necro like it doesn't i mean it does fear and it does chilled which you can both trait to base to do damage off of condition damage but it doesn't apply that much so Mm. unlike um Unlike, well, I mean, I guess, I guess the other shroud just had fear and um, three stacks of torment, which is really not that significant. But the fear was ranged. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I just, I just think that's interesting food for thought because it it really it sort of brings back into focus what we were talking about last week with the dragon hunter and how it's different from the chronomancer is that the dragon hunter automatically replaces your F skills, and if you didn't want the functionality of the new f skills then you don't then you can't play dragon hunter or if you play dragon hunter you have to use those and that's not an insignificant difference for necromancer either if you want to play one of the condition builds um you know these skills are going to be a lot less effective for you as a condition necromancer i think so that seems like a tangible downside or at least at best neutral side which i mean i think is good i think that's interesting do you have any thoughts on that Eric? It is interesting because the actual conditions across the board are relatively weak. Although it is interesting because you do have chill, you do have fear. So if you do have both of those conditions, your condition damage will actually be able to function in that because you can trade for damage on fear, damage on chill. Poison has never been a super strong condition, but I'm hearing, you know, we've saw the stacking of uh of bleed so if they add stacking on poison like they're gonna do with fire it sounds like at least that's what reddit keeps telling me it sounds like you could have it work but it's they don't synergize as well as say death shroud 5 does with net with conditions although death shroud right now the just the core death shroud is really sort of schizophrenic in and of itself because some of the things are really good for condition mancers, some of the things are for power mancers, and it just sort of tries to do a little bit of everything. This one, I like the fact that it's basically focusing in, yeah, you've got these conditions, but those conditions are there to help you stay in and deal damage and hurt your opponents. Yeah. Which, so they're more there for the utility that they bring than the actual damage that they're going to bring. Yeah, well, and of course they're all melee, so a lot of condition mancer builds are actually built around staying out of melee for as long as possible so that definitely hinders some of their uh, effectiveness from that perspective but i i think that's a good thing i think i think that's a good trade-off i feel Um, like uh we should call the if someone does do a melee condition mancer we should call it the uh leper hug build (laughs) 
<laughs> that would be uh oh gosh, what was that friggin' skill in Guild Wars One? It was an elite. Oh, it required you to have melee contact, right? No, it was it was the one that it was the one that it was like a five cost, one second cast, two second recharge, um, elite and oh like virulence or whatever it was the one that basically if there were condies on the thing it just exploded the person no that's not the one i was thinking of i was thinking, but what it does is it it's an enchantment that made you immune to disease and also gave you disease because disease spreads when you get into contact with other people and so you could like hex up your hex up somebody and have them run in and it just like spreads spreads disease to everybody on the enemy team but whoever's enchanted with it is immune you remember that one? That one was hilarious in alliance battles. That's amazing, and so weird. Yeah, we 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 ran like a really funny plague build in alliance battles where we had it was like that, and we had like a some ranger secondaries to get pets, and we'd like throw in disease pets into the huge zerg that would come from uh, Kurzix, and <laughs> it was. Uh, it, <laughs> Is this a Luxon cast? No, I mean, well, I don't know. Are you? I'm Luxon. Yes. Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Crybok. Yeah. Yeah, turtles unite. Dude, Seed Turtles. Best. Best, best turtles. Best Relics of War podcast ever. <laughs> anyway, that's enough of a, a side distraction. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on the on the Reaper Shroud Spirit? I know that you don't play your Necromancer nearly as much as we do. I like the. Was it the the necrocopter? Also, you um, if you kill a foe, it instantly recharges. Uh, the death charge does. Yeah, necrocopter. It's the grandmaster trait will cause the necrocopter to instantly recharge. I really like that. I really like the idea of um, being kind of in the middle of a world v world zerg, and then as things start to die, you launch yourself forward into the zerg and just bam, 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 bam to a whole bunch of people and destroy face oh my goodness that'd be amazing if you had like a perfectly timed one where you just keep spinning into guys and well oh my goodness. Miss because everyone is up leveled and paper so if you really want to destroy face uh there's a good option for you yeah i'm really excited about the reaper for world v world but we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the build section um I guess so that really just leaves us with traits, some of which we've already talked about. Um, do either you want to talk about traits first or should I just kick off a bit? Go for it. Okay. Um, so the minor traits are, <clears throat> uh, you know, the first one is uh, it's just basically it transforms your death shroud so it doesn't do anything effectively um, and also gives you access to your other Reaper stuff. The second one is when you inflict fear, you also chill. And the third one is chills last longer and chilled foes deal less damage to you, which is 15% and they last 20% longer. Um, I do think it's really interesting, the idea of uh, chilled chilled fears, because that's definitely a hindrance in places like World v. World and Edge of the Mists, where frequently you're intending to fear people off of things. But it definitely goes back to that vibe that Spirit was talking about of like that nightmare that you can't escape from. It's like you're running and not getting anywhere. Um, so, you know, plus it's another source of chill. So, yay. Um, I think it's kind of weird that none of the shouts that the Necro gets cause fear. I know, especially because warriors have one. I'm not salty. 
but yes and I am. since fear is so i mean really at the end of the day necros have uh death shroud three it looks like for this i mean a reaper will have death shroud three that they can trigger in melee they will have if they bring it all the mark on the staff five yeah on the staff five but staff really doesn't synergize with the reaper so i don't see a lot of reapers bringing that so that's a bit odd and then there's also the fact and then you have a spectral wall which can cause fear if someone actually runs through it Note the fact you can't just drop it on someone and have them be feared, which is really annoying. You actually have to make them run through it. <sighs> Anyways, I've had that issue with bosses where I was like, I want to kill this boss. I'm going to drop fear on him so that he takes fear damage. But no, that. anyways. So it is weird because you essentially are going to only have probably two, maybe three access, uh, three fear abilities. And... Yet your build is built with your actual minor traits are like, oh, yeah, fear makes things better. That's interesting. Yeah, the the first two minor traits are kind of throwaways, in my opinion. I mean, they're okay, But I mean, obviously, the first one's a throwaway insofar as it doesn't give you any benefit other than you get Reaper stuff. But um, the 15% damage reduction is not insignificant. And the increase, the 20% condition damn or uh chill duration increases is, is pretty significant just in general yeah and i suppose you don't actually need really important functionality on all of your minor traits just because because you're gonna get them in this case because of how they've redone specializations they can put all of the useful stuff on one minor trait and then have two just sort of oh these are here because of a checkbox you yeah. could theoretically just put everything on one minor trait and then let you pick your three add up master grandmaster that might be visually cluttered though yeah i do like the visual effect which i'll get into in just a second here of the the three minor traits being in the centers and then like the connecting lines that connect like a pattern between whichever add up master and grandmaster traits you pick and those um i think if nothing else it sort of helps the people the visual thinkers to be able to like remember the pattern of their build mm yeah um as well, it looks like they've structured it so that like the top adept and the top master and the top grandmaster are thematically linked, and same with the middle, middle and middle, and the bottom, bottom and bottom, which I actually really like. I I would love it if they could order other traits where applicable in that fashion. It I actually think that's a really interesting, like kind of a clever way to do that. Yeah, I do like the center where they actually hey, if you want a really quick build. It's not necessarily going to be a fully optimized build, but it's going to be pretty good. Just go with one row of all of your add-up master and grandmaster, and that'll synergize. So if someone doesn't, if you don't have a place to start, you just pick all those and say, okay, what else do I need to do in order to make this thing work? What does this give me? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so for the add-ups, we have uh, shouts recharge faster for each foe they hit, seven percent each. So tops out at thirty-five percent faster recharge. I mean that's significantly faster recharge so again world v world open world pve if you're doing a lot of shouts might be pretty significant otherwise it's kind of kind of a so-so trait well Um, it's interesting because if you are chaining shouts for any reason then you're getting 35 percent faster recharge for every shout that you're using so if you bring four shouts you basically, by the time you finish your fourth shout, your first shout is essentially recharged. 
Well, not completely. I mean, assuming like it, that you're hitting five people each time. Well, but it only but it only recharges faster on the shout itself. Oh, like, never it doesn't mind. like it doesn't lower the recharge of your currently Aww. recharging shouts. I just wanted to be able to roll my face across my keyboard and have yeah. Necro be that new where you're just like blah shouts, blah shouts. Yeah, except you can't be roll. Your, you can't completely roll because they have cast times. <sighs> I know. Uh, one of the cooler traits, uh, cool, is chilling Nova, um, which is that crits... ah, pun. Yeah, crits against chilled foes can explode the chill around. I think that's super cool. Another one of those sort of cascading effects that I really like. I actually think that would be really cool to have that functionality for other traits or for other conditions that necromancers can inflict although it might be too powerful but no you do technically have that wonderful you still utility skill of uh that we stole from mesmers of epidemic well yeah but why not more <laughs> that's true i like it i like the exploding chaining condition chainomancer thing that necros are doing yeah and then the third one uh relentless pursuit massively reduces the duration of a mobilized cripple and chilled while you are in death shroud um well actually decreases it by 33 percent regularly and 66 percent in death shroud which is massive um but if you do get a full stack of immobilized for some unknown reason where you're immobilized for a minute actually that is really nice because i've had a few boss fights where the boss just stacks immobilized on me and i'm sitting there going well gonna be here for a while Go make a sandwich, come back, still frozen in place. Alrighty. You want to polish off traits then real quick here? Sure. All right. Um, so at the... That's me polishing them. That's a horrible noise. <laughs> well, it's the Reaper, you know. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, yeah, so we've got Soul Eater, Greatswords Attack, Steel Health, and when Gravedigger hits foe, all other Greatswords skills recharge by a small amount uh it's a 55 life siphon damage 49 healing uh i don't i've never liked the life siphoning traits um we can talk about that a little bit more when it gets to uh blood magic but they've always just felt like such a pitifully small amount that i've never yeah well yeah we'll definitely want to talk about that when we get to the changes of blood magic because there's some interesting stuff that you can play pull off with that yeah uh, chilling force striking a chilled foe grants might and life force which is really really good five seconds of might one set one percent of life force um with some of those skills that hit really fast or if you're using a dagger or a axe main hand you're going to be striking a lot and getting a lot of yeah, life force that'll uh, be amazing um but it's up against decimate defenses which is two percent increased crit chance against foes with vulnerability two percent per stack of vulnerability which is also huge um yeah and then grandmaster yeah. uh life force uh when you gain a boon if you're in reaper shroud you gain health instead so if you're in reaper shroud you gain 133 healing or if you're out of it you gain one percent life force um maybe good especially with that previously chilling force that gives you might whenever you hit a chilled foe um i don't know kind of hard to say yeah that that could be interesting and that's definitely something we're going to want to talk about is the change to how you heal in death shroud is yeah. going to be interesting yeah yeah i mean i can definitely see yeah because i mean if you had chilling force and blighter's boon combined it would mean that hitting a chilled foe would give you a stack of might and two percent life force and yeah 
which is not bad. Uh, in addition to anything else it gives, like if you're on dagger, you're going to be getting your life force back really fast. Yeah. The interesting thing is then deathly chill cause chill to damage, which is mm-hmm. nice because you're going to be applying it a lot. But then it also, you deal more damage to foes below the health threshold, uh, 50%. That's for everything as far as I can tell, which I think is a really interesting choice because that really fits in it, with the concept of the necro getting better when their enemies are weaker and it turns almost every skill into a pseudo execute i think i think that's only on chill because we have we already have a trait that gives just stronger like melee damage against everything that's under 50 percent health like we already have an executioner trait in the spite line though that's true i think it's what is it 50 percent or is it 20 percent health it's when they're under 50 percent health you get like a 20 percent damage increase i think oh yeah it's it's pretty significant um and then the last one attack faster attack 15 percent faster while in reaper shroud and killing a foe recharges death's charge so um yeah i think the overwhelming thing that i feel when i'm looking at this is that Every single one of those traits looks really good, with the possible exception of Soul Eater, which is the Greatsword Recharge one. And at every tier, I look at them and I say, man, that's really good, but I also kind of really want that other one. And I feel like, looking at these traits, I have to make a lot of hard choices, but they're all really good options. And I feel like that, at present in Guild Wars 2, is actually kind of not the case a lot of the time. A lot of trait lines are just super unbalanced in terms of, like, one is the obvious pick. Um, but yeah, so speaking of that great sword, uh, life siphoning general stuff, as well as traits, why don't you just talk about the blood magic? Because you use blood magic more than I do anyway. Yeah. So blood magic is interesting. There's two real uses for it. It's, there's the weird synergy with wellomancers that are going to be a power and you're dropping a well and it'll heal you a little bit more, uh, the life siphoning that, But the main place that you see it is when you're running with minions because unless you're running with minions, there's just not enough sources of life stealing for there to be an effective amount of healing on yourself to make the actual trading into blood worth it. So the interesting thing that they've done here is that siphon effects from blood magic, specifically the vampiric traits, will heal you while in death shroud. That's going to be pretty strong because right now... Whenever I'm running with my minion life siphon troop and I'm, you know, face tanking something, I don't want to go into death shroud because I am essentially wasting all the healing that I'm getting from my minions. And if I found something that I can face tank, then it doesn't matter if my minions, if I'm in death shroud anyways. So you just sit there and let your minions do the thing. So I think that'll be really interesting to actually heal you while you're in death shroud. It can also work well if you're a blood oman, if you're incentivize wellomancers to go with that trait because they can drop their wells pop into death shroud and heal up which should actually be fairly strong although the problem is of course siphons are so weak across the board that you just don't get a lot from it so it'll be I look forward to experimenting with it and seeing how well it works it is hard to find a real life situation to test um life siphons on aside from going and face tanking a champion somewhere and seeing how well you survive against it uh, just the right so i've tried doing it on target dummies but you have to jump off something take damage and then run over it and hit it really quick to see like 
how your life siphon's doing, and your minions are so stupid that they're not even like thinking about that. They're like, oh, you're you're attacking something? That's weird. And I think that if minions were fixed, this would be a ridiculously powerful trait because half the time minions are just sort of hanging out and they're watching you fight stuff and they're like, that's cool, bro. I'm I'm gonna stand over here and check out my nails and you know I might come over and hit it once or twice, but it's they don't do much. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So that's a, so that's a problem. And the thing is, they've been piling all sorts of things that you can do with your minions on. And so I think when they actually fix minions and minions will actually attack something, they might actually be too strong once the AI actually starts working properly, whatever the AI is supposed to do. Because it's not supposed to be as smart as a as an engineer turret, but it's also, yeah, I don't understand actually what they want the AI to do because they've never really explained that. So it makes it hard to figure out what they're doing with that. So, so it is interesting to see that. Also, they're adding a vampiric aura, which I think is really interesting. One of the things that they had early in Guild Wars 2 is a problem where there was a vampiric food that you could take and a greatsword uh, warrior would basically be able to pop that, uh, they'd be able to pop that uh, food, trigger it, and then just go up and greatsword something in the face with, uh, with 100 blades and heal themselves to full from very low health. And it was really strong. And I know a lot of people were kind of hoping that we'd get that with the new necro heal that you'd be able to do that and be like, okay, I got a little bit of heal, but I just basically healed my crazy guardian warrior, or my crazy warrior buddy to full, because that's amazing. So hopefully Vampiric Aura will bring a little bit of that back. Obviously, you don't want it completely broken, but I think it could be interesting and could actually be very strong in PvP if you're able to get everything synergized right. So that's that's pretty cool. Also... Holy smokes, transfusion, which right now, when you use uh, Death Shroud number four, I believe, it can heal. Yeah, it's your uh, Death Shroud life siphon, life transfer that you use in Death Shroud. Right now, that you can set it to heal. They've got it resurrecting allies, which I think is probably too strong because now a person can just pop onto a point where their friends are getting rocked, pop Death Shroud, pop that bam, people are up again. And I th- that sounds crazy. What do you think about that one, Grybok? Uh, well, I mean, part of it is that I don't PvP all that often. I feel like it's a little bit too fast for a recharge for that type of a functionality. Um, because Death Strad 4 is not that much of a recharge, especially because it doesn't uh, take up a skill bar slot. Um, so that is pretty strong. But, I- oh, excuse me. Again, that's sort of... I don't know. They, it would take a lot to make the blood magic line really worth it. And I mean, all the stuff that you're talking about with regard to minions is, I mean, true, but they're still going to be so susceptible to area damage. Like, even if they're smarter, they'll still die really fast. So, I don't know. Um, I've kind of written off blood magic. I guess I feel like I need to see see the concrete, like, full list of changes. I I do think it's interesting the idea of wanting to integrate group support into Blood Magic, but I don't know how willing they are to do so in a way that makes them even mildly compare to other professions' amounts of support that they give. Um, so There is know. a good lore reason that they should have it. We saw very clearly Vampiric Aura being super awesome in Ghosts of Ascalon, so I just feel like if we mention that, keep mentioning that, 
hopefully someday they will actually make blood magic and life siphoning into a very viable and very terrifying build. Yeah, I mean, I always loved blood magic in Guild Wars 1, so it's a bit of a... Yeah, blood magic, I think because of how... Because you had an actual healer in the game, and the concept of you needed someone actually healing, blood magic could be a lot stronger because it had to actually... You could set it up to where it could actually not quite, but almost fulfill for yourself the role of healer, which I thought was always cool. Well, it, I mean, it did a lot of things, too, in Guild Wars 1. I mean, the the wells were actually super good sources of power, and, um, I mean, Well of Power was really strong. Just Well of Blood on its own gave a lot of regen to your allies, at least in PvE, where there were more corpses available. Um, not to mention the idea of, of being, like, the battery necro and all those types of I mean... It had a lot of varied things that it could do, and it even doubled for some hexes that were really strong too. So, um, but most so, of those mechanics are gone. So, <laughs> yeah, that's something that actually I haven't, that I had never even thought of. But with the Chronomancer coming out, Alacrity is a pretty cool skill that, because cooldowns are our primary resource in Guild Wars, it'd be interesting to see like a Bip Necro coming back with uh, Alacrity. Well, I I mean, at present, I believe they said that Alacrity is an exclusive Mesmer trait. Yeah. No, I think it would be something you'd want to see in a future specialization. I'm just, I'm going way out money trail just, of, yeah. Yeah, just spitballing. Yeah, yeah. so I guess uh, with all that said, you and I each sort of made a theoretical build. Uh, do you want me to do mine first or yours? Do you want to do yours? Go for it. Yeah, so this is um, something I'm really excited to try, especially in World v. World, as we've been talking about this whole time. A lot of the Reaper stuff just seems beautifully fit for fighting huge Zergs. And I already had sort of a Zerg, not exactly Zerg Buster, but as a anti-Zerg chill-based build as a conditioned Necromancer. And I think that adding a bunch of these Reaper traits is just going to make it super awesome. So the traits would be Chilling Darkness, um, that whatever that trait was, that was a new one that doesn't exist yet. That's the 100% longer chill duration while you're wielding, or not uh, condition duration while you're wielding a scepter. Um, the Reaper trait that causes uh, chills to explode to nearby targets uh, when you crit on them. And then the one that uh, the grandmaster um trait that makes chill deal damage and basically let's see and then the i guess the master trait would probably be the one that gives you might and light force while you strike a chilled foe because you're going to be doing so much chilling anyway um so for weapons and utilities this would be a case where i would be forgoing the greatsword and i would be just sticking with the same weapon combo that you already had so scepter dagger and then staff uh, the skills would probably be Consume Conditions, Well of Darkness, uh, The Shout That Chills, probably, and uh, probably Signet of the Locust, because World v. World running is really helpful. Um, and then Plague for your Elite, because... Mm, plague. Yeah, so basically the build would all be all about diving into Zergs and snaring as many people as possible to be sort of that engagement role as sometimes Warriors and Guardians do where they like get in there and lock some people down and then your Zerg jumps in and murders them all. Yeah, um, and 
plague is so good for that with with the blind field that it does mm-hmm. i mean oh my goodness that's it's such a great i just like popping in and just running through an enemy zerg and or breaking their front line because they're like oh crap plague we don't know what to do yeah yeah so yeah that build it has on your scepter you've got an aoe cripple you've got uh the dagger offhand has a three target blind which would then also chill and also condition transfers and uh uh you've got bleeds as a main damage condition you've got an aoe chill from one of your staff skills you've got an aoe fear which then also chills because of the reaper minor trait on your staff five you've got your giant well of darkness that is a big AOE pulses five times and applies chill and blind on everybody. Um, you've got the up to five target chill shout. And uh, then, like you said, with the chilling darkness plus plague form, number two is an enormous area of blinding and chilling every second, which I believe you also have stability constantly in Plague, and you also get some bonus HP. So you're pretty much impossible to kill in that build, and you can take Dire if you want, um, which I have in that build, because you just you just soak so much damage. And uh, I might look at a different build, though, with the um, with that crit trait to spread chills, because that could be really nice. Um, so anyway, that would be, that would be the build I'd be taking. I would actually honestly not be using the Reaper Shroud all that much. It would be mostly to get that damage scaling on chill. And I don't know how much the damage is going to work out to, but we do know that it scales with condition damage. So I would imagine it's going to be a pretty significant increase to that build. Um, and yeah, like I said, I've already used it in World v. World a lot. I ran it literally for probably a year and a half or two in World v. World and it's always been great and i know that spirit made an alt necromancer basically just to run that build because she makes a million alts so so many um, alts yeah so that would be that would be my build the the chill condi condi duration omancer nice i think that would be a lot of fun i may have to put that in shongaku at some point and play around with it because that actually sounds awesome and so i think with me i decided to go with the minion system for just to theorize how would a minion play out uh there are certain places where minions work out pretty well i've seen uh them used in dungeons pretty well they're terrible against the stupid giganticus lubicus but there's some other places where they can actually function so the concept that i went with was go with the death traits the blood magic traits and the reaper traits of course so go reaper and it would be a the weapons you'd use is the greatsword, just because it is really nice to get in there, but you could swap it out for a dagger warhorn if you wanted. The greatsword is not necessarily, you know, be all end all. But uh, then the secondary weapon would be with vulnerability stacking of the axe and the and the focus. And so it is melee centric with a swap to range if you need it, but for the most part the range is there, the axe focus is there to stack your volns on whatever target and this is mostly for just pve roaming maybe dubby dub roaming if you want to run with some zergs uh and survivability because your minions are basically soaking all the damage and also hopefully healing you when they hit things you know they decide to hit stuff so with that with the traits you would go i would go down the blood magic tree 
getting improving my siphons and this is what's interesting is i've been able to face take with a modified form of this build um, several different champions around the world and so around tyria the more magic-y ones i have a bit more trouble with and this with the way the reaper functions i may actually have a way now to just face tank them and that's that's kind of my my rating of okay how good is this can i just stand in one spot and hit a guy if i can then it works if i can't then it's then it's not op enough i don't know so you get your vampiric you have it where life transfer because of the the updates to transfusion that they're toying with life transfer healing allies would be very nice because it works for your minions won't res them but it'll at least give them some health which is nice then you would also go with the drawing conditions from allies this is that one's kind of up in the air you can go with that one you can go with healing in the area when you enter death shroud to heal your minions uh, but really the drawing conditions is nice as if you're in a massive zerg thing because what you can do is you get life force every time a condition is drawn which is quite nice because then what you're also doing is you pop into death magic and you buff your minions up with health and you're getting toughness for each minion then you get your power build so that you're dealing a little bit more damage and power i believe and i don't think it scales with your minions scale with your power which is sad but it lets you hit a little bit harder and then you're also improving your minions damage and this is with the updated um, you can actually look this up on the uh, that shaman's specialization calculator on dolphy.net and minions dealing more damage and taking conditions from you uh, which is nice so, and then whenever a minion attacks, it transfers conditions to its target. So now you're actually sending minions out or setting conditions to whoever you're attacking, which is really nice. And you're healing. And so it's a really nice sort of very synergistic. So if an enemy is hitting you and dealing conditions to you, now you're sending them back to him, which is kind of nice. And the nice thing is, is that one triggers 10 seconds per minion. So each minion has its own internal cooldown for when that actually triggers. So you can actually pull multiple conditions relatively rapidly off of yourself. Then on the Reaper, you go with the reduced and movement impairing conditions, just in case you need to get out of a AoE when something's going to smash. And if it's got you immobilized, that can be helpful. The other ones, you can add the chill those are sort of free form. Actually, the the Reapers, the Reaper stuff is not that important. Aside from it will give you the buffing against chill. Striking a foe with vulnerability increases your crit chance, which is really nice. And then also attacking faster while in Reaper Shroud. And really what you're doing is you're able to now pop into Reaper Shroud, will soak the damage from whatever is wailing on you in PvE. And now you're also healing because your minions are dealing damage. And so your death route really helps sort of keep that up there. And so it's a really solid way to, if you want to go in solo champs or just solo explorer, you have, you know, that really annoying Lissa uh, shrine in ore that you have to get the actual skill point at. You can just pop in there, take everything out, or you know you can just bring a thief and stealth. But So that's the that is the build that uh, I've been fiddling with just because Minion Masters are awesome and they're not great in Guild Wars 2 but they're just a cool concept so that is what I'm looking at for going with that and it also allows you to move away from the Zerker meta on some level because you can go with some power and precision uh, changes so you don't necessarily need the precision because if you're stacking Vaughns properly you'll get uh, 
you won't need necessarily that. You can maybe even take some clerics gear and still be pretty strong. And that clerics gear will buff your heals. So it should be an, it's an interesting concept. I would I really want to see how it works. I've got a few champions that I want to go punch in the face with it. <laughs> yeah. Um and then neither one of us really prepared a build, but I think that I think that there's some pretty obvious choices for a um Reaper Shroud focused just like crit Zerker build. Yeah. Um lots of ways to to make that happen. So those also, ones are I... obvious. Everyone does Zerker, so we wanted to go with some stuff that's not a little bit more off the wall. Yeah, exactly. Also, I think it's worth mentioning that that build that I said only uses Spite and um, Reaper. So you actually have a whole free trait line to add more effects to it if you want. So you could do nice Soul Reaping to get Sweet Sweet Doomfire on your Scythe attacks. Oh. Um, or other things like that. So just, uh, you know, food for thought. You had and me if- at Doomfire. I know, and if they have, uh, if they do make blood magic worth taking for that type of a build, especially if they um, do anything with wells in that one, you could replace the signet of the locust with a second well. Um, for example, the uh, well of suffering, which stacks ten vulnerability, and you know maybe maybe do something with that. Um, but yeah. So anyway. Um, Gosh, this is getting really long. It's probably because we have two people that play a lot of Necro on this podcast, and so we care about this a lot. I will say the nice thing is is seeing the changes that they're making and with the Reaper functionality, it will probably... I've been playing Ranger main quite a bit, and I think this might actually bring me back to uh, Necro main at this point because it looks like it will be a lot more interesting than Necro was because at this point it's mostly you either go Dagger or you go Scepter. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh I've just been too stubborn to like pick up a new main really. I pretty much just split time evenly between Guardian and Necro. So even though I know that Necro is not the best choice, I just can't I can't give it up. I love it too much. Um but as we sort of alluded to towards the beginning of the episode a little bit, I think the majority consensus is that mm, this kind of we'll we'll have to see how things shake out with the defiance bar um relating to chill how much damage the chilling damage trait does how changing condition stacking works and or if that applies to vulnerability there's a lot of factors but it still doesn't address the primary problem which is that necros are an inherently selfish class in that they don't really help their allies um we don't provide any massive damage mitigation in the form of protection or aegis or have a way to completely just skip tons of mobs like via group stealth and we don't uh provide might stacks to anybody and yeah, yeah. so you know i mean those are those are the main the straight support stuff and the debuff support is pretty weak too which is yeah. unfortunate well and so you know but it could be that if they sort of revamp their encounter design the idea of having somebody whose job is to slow down the enemies in like wide swaths that could yeah. make a role for us, um, you know, yeah. more that it would require one of the standard builds to be dedicated to that, and we can fill that role. Um, but only time's going to tell on that. Yeah, I mean, if you have really mobile enemies that are doing um, ranged attacks, you know, having a blinding slash that are susceptible to blind, uh, having a blinding slash chilling effect. You know, that's actually someone's going to be like, oh, I, I want that because you're doing it at the same time and you can get blinds on there fast, which means you're stacking chills. And that 
that could be interesting to see. Hopefully we'll see some of that. Yeah, and I mean, maybe if we start seeing smarter and better enemies, then the chill skill recharge debuffing will, you know, matter. Um, yeah. Because it really kind of doesn't matter in PvE. Like, yeah, things either well, die if... or... Yeah. Yeah. And because it doesn't affect... And because it's not slow, like the Mesmer's going to get, it's not going to affect the capability of people to interrupt an enemy either, which is unfortunate. But... Do you think that because it is a movement control effect that it will... Do we know if it's going to affect the Defiance bar, Chill Will? Uh, no, I said that a little bit earlier. I don't know okay. whether or not we know that. But I think that they called out that Blind would. So... Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully. So it's, That's it's my like, big hey, help. we're blinding a lot. And so that, yeah. Well, but Cross I just fingers. blind, like, with our, with our ways to apply Chill on blinds and or fears... Yeah. Um, being able to like double dip if chill does affect it and massive application of chill. I don't know. It excites me. I think, yeah, I think the main takeaway for me is that Reaper excites me a lot from a build perspective. Um, and still doesn't excite me that much from a group support perspective, but yeah, you know, I mean, if we were going to run done, if we were like, Oh, we're all about running dungeons. I'm not sure how excited I'd be about the Ranger. But uh, our you mean Ranger, necro. Necromancer, you know, Freudian slip. Uh, I'm not sure how excited I'd be about the Reaper. There we go. See, I said I was going to mess up the R with another R class. At least I didn't say Radiator. So the Reaper from a dungeon perspective, not great, but I think it's going to be pretty good in, in open world PvE, which is where I spend most of my time, and it could be very interesting in WW. And I think it will be intriguing to see if it finds a home in stronghold i don't think greatsword will find a home in stronghold but i do think some of the reaper traits and abilities might yeah yeah um okay well did you have any other uh thoughts or are you about ready to close it out we've already gone way past the hour mark yeah sitting at more like an hour and a half Final thought, the Reaper, I think, fits the Necro motif really well. I think it's tied to some cool, very old, uh, very Guild Wars 1 and old school lore for Guild Wars, which is nice, and that it does fit the concept of the Necromancer being a slow attrition class, but I feel like so much of Guild Wars 2 is built around a completely different concept of quick evasion and that sort of thing, that it puts the necro a little it continues to keep the necro sort of on the outside looking in at all of the other classes yeah yeah i think i would agree with that but either way i'm still really excited about it i mean i think i'm actually i mean again clearly it's necromancer bias because i love the necromancer even though i recognize its flaws but i've been really excited my gears have been turning a lot since we got this announcement so yeah since i saw i was so if you you followed me on the show notes where I opened with oh this thing looks terrible then I was like oh okay there's some interesting stuff going here and then I watched the points of interest and I was like oh I'm actually excited for the reaper so they've definitely done a good job of winning me over from being very skeptical yeah yeah so I'm excited to get my hands on it and hopefully maybe we'll have a chance to test out some of these things in the betas that are coming up eventually I don't know cross fingers yeah yeah so Okay, well, I think it's time for CastCast. All right. Hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast within the podcast, about the cast of other podcasts and the style cast of other podcasts this week on CastCast. Um, actually, I wanted to bring up 
Wow, you've gotten really good at that. I have. I've only said it every week for like the last way too many weeks. Um, but this week on CastCast, I actually do have a podcast for you guys. It's called The Butt of Corpse. And if you don't know about it, it is a necrocentric podcast. And if you want to hear people speak about uh, necro a lot more professionally than we have, you can go listen to them. I've provided a link to their channel, their YouTube channel, in the show notes. And they also have, there's some other profession-specific podcasts. They seem to be fairly sporadic, but they are always extremely professional when they do that. So definitely recommend them. Go give a listen. Uh, Also, I've got a webcomic that Smokey linked us on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with us or to share your own creations or creations of your friends, let us know. Send us an email. And if you want to, I got a lot of good feedback about the, the segment we did last week where I did an interview with the... Uh, host of EU Guilds. Um, so if you're interested in doing something like that, please let me know and I will walk you through how to do that. I always love talking to you guys. That's all I got. Alright, well, that was a much longer specialization episode than usual, but thanks for sticking through it and listening and we will be back next week with apparently some big uh, other announcement that is not a specialization reveal. So, What do you think it's going to be? I'm thinking Guild Halls. Uh, I don't know. I I would rather just be surprised than get my hopes up or down or whatever. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us again, Eric. And, Thank uh, you. It was yeah. my pleasure. It's always fun to be on this show. Yeah, it is. So, um, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com, email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.